HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Imagine a young girl's journey from a small farming village in Ethiopia to working as a chef in a five-star Manhattan hotel. If that image presents a few more challenges than you're comfortable with, stay tuned. We have someone who will tell you all about it. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, here on Heritage Radio Network. And I didn't mean to throw you with trying to conjure up an image like that, but indeed, it is quite a journey that one young woman took. And with me here today is Kubi Kasai, who has made that journey. And joining her is Marsha Polanchi, who is representing Les Dames de Scoffier, who uh, tell us about an award that Kubi has been given as well. And Kubi, I want to start with you. How did you do this? Tell me about your life. How in the world did you end up at the Peninsula Hotel from a small farming village in Ethiopia? Uh, well, I can say I want to say thank you to God for, you know, for making me this uh, famous. He had given me a chance. Uh, I'm originally from Ethiopia. Uh, is a small village in Dukam. It's approximately 30 minutes uh, into the village. Um, my father is a farmer. I have eight brothers, eight sisters, and two brothers. Wow. And when I was nine years old, I was adopted by my uncle, who lived in Addis Ababa, which is the capital. And I moved to Addis Ababa when I was nine. And back in the village, you know, there's no education. Basically, you just stay home and learn from your mother everything to survive. At what age were were you? Uh, did you go to Addis Ababa? I was nine. Nine. So you had not been to school prior. No, to hmm. I haven't been to school. So I moved to Addis Ababa when I was nine, and you know my new parents, uh, my uncle Alamusira, and my new mother Amazurgesa, they put me to school, and I was I believe. I had to learn basically a new language because in the village we spoke a different, sorry, a different language, and in Adisaba we had to learn uh, Amharic, which is the native language which everybody spoke, and I didn't speak the language, so I had to learn. So I had to go to pre-K. Basically, I started everything from fresh, you know. 
So it was pretty challenging. Indeed. Yeah, because I had to learn the language and get familiarized with everything. And back in the village, there's no light, there's no bathroom. You know, everything was no, so new, so I had to learn everything and new. And so there you are living in a big city all yeah, of a sudden. Basically, yeah, basically, yeah, from a, a village to a city. It was just uh, amazing. And uh, when I was 13, the family decided to move to New York, Queens. Wow. Yes. So moved to America, and now I'm 13 years old. I believe in America, if you're 13, you have, you're supposed to be in seventh grade. So when I came here, I had no English. I didn't know anything. <laughs> the only word I know is yes or no. That's it. <laughs> and seventh grade, I go in, in Queens, IS 237, Queens, and... I don't know. It was just something new. I mean, I don't know anything. Basically, I had to learn everything again. And you're 13 years yes, old. Wow. I was 13. That's, that's a tough age to begin with. Yes, right? I was 13. So, I mean, I was treated as a normal child, you know, 13 years old, seventh grade. And when I was when I was in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, I was going to third grade. So when <laughs> I came here, they put me seventh grade. So I had to learn everything new again. And it was so challenging because... You know, I don't know English, and I barely know the native language because I've been only in Addis Ababa for three years. Well, you obviously put your brain to good work because from what I've read about you, you accomplished quite a bit and, and graduated with honors. Yes, I did indeed. And that that's marvelous. Oh, I mean, thank you. Um, and then you decided to choose the path of cooking yes. and go to culinary school. Yes. Or when did you first know that you had an interest in cooking? Ever since I was young, I believe eight, nine, I, I would always stay with my mother in the kitchen and cook. And she would tell me, go play with the kids. I'm like, no, mom, I just want to stay here and learn how to cook. So re she really taught you all the, the basic yes, dishes of, of Ethiopia when you were cooking. Yes. So there you are in New York and decide to go to culinary school. Well, not only did you go to culinary school, but... And all for all you listeners, she graduated summa cum laude. Okay, a young girl who didn't speak a word of English at thirteen—that is really amazing. You were at, you were at New York City College, College. of Technology. Yeah? Yes, you—I mean, you just took to it like a a, a fish to water, right? Yes, and I mean, I I don't know, maybe because I skipped four grades, you know, ahead of time, and I was always interested to learn something new. Like school was something I don't know. It was easy because I wanted to learn something and get out of something out of it, you know. So city tech. Well, before that, let's go back. And after I finished high school, uh, me and my mom we went to school opening, you know, like for college. Mm -hmm. They want they want the kids to have a good education you know so we went to one school I don't remember which one it was and I told them I wanted to be a chef so they said if you want to be a chef be whoever you want to be as long as makes you happy so I told them I wanted to be a chef so we go to the school and they told her I'm receiving a certificate not a degree and my mom said nope you have to get a four-year degree so I said okay New York City College of Technology offers a four-year degree in hospitality management, and they said, go ahead. So that's how my journey started in New York City College of <laughs> as Technology. As long as it was a degree and not a certificate, yes. right? That was very important. <laughs> well, and and um, what, did you cook at other places before you landed at the landed, land? That's quite a, an exalted landing, the Peninsula Hotel. Did you cook at other locations, or was that your first job? Uh, Peninsula was my first job. 
but I I cooked at home mm-hmm. for the family mm-hmm. in New York. Interesting. Well, through all that, um, you were noticed by a lot of your professors, and you were nominated for a particular award. And, Marsha, this is where you come in. Les Dames de Scofia, I, w- I wanted to talk a lot about um, the importance of scholarship and, and mentoring and of professionals giving back to young people in their field, and particularly the culinary world does a lot of this, giving back to um, young people in the culinary world. And Les Dames de Scoffier has a particular program. Marsha, I would like you to describe that to us. It's, it's my pleasure. Uh, well, I think we have to go back a little bit and say what Les Dames de Scoffier is. And this is an organization of, I think we're like 1,500 women, all leaders in the hospitality world. That includes wine and food and normal hospitality. Uh, We have chapters, 28 chapters, throughout the United States, Canada, and now the UK. And all of us are considered leaders in our profession. And one of the uh, the visions of the organization, which is around 40 years old, from the very beginning was scholarship. And about four years ago, we, you know, we have been doing our own scholarships for a long time. And uh, doing scholarships for high school students and college students who are in, in the tracking in the culinary world, and I believe we've given out uh, maybe four million dollars worth of scholarships e- so far. And what we decided to do is, is 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 to kick it up a notch and to to take young women who have already accomplished a certain level in their in their career, who have had at least four years working in the field and offer them an opportunity to to mentor with our members. And as I said before, scholarship has always been important to us. And, you know, when you reach a certain level in your profession, it really is time to give back. Right. And this, this organization of women has been extraordinarily generous with sharing their know-how and their talent with the up-and-coming talent, female talent, in, in this country. Um, Kubi won the award last year. Uh, she was one of, of six uh, women who were identified, and I'm sure she'll tell you about her experience. But uh, we're continuing the program this year. We are giving out six scholarships, and thanks uh, a great deal to the support of the Julia Child Foundation. We have kind of doubled our capacity to help uh, talented young women. And... Um, if anyone is, is interested in applying, because we are at that process now of, of offering the scholarships and the applications, all they need to do is to go onto the website, the ldei.org website, and push under awards and find out all the information about what you need to apply. And this, I know this is going to be going on forever and ever, this show, and I certainly hope that the Legacy Award continues uh, in kind and that we'll be able to continue this, this program for talented young women for years to come. Oh, that it's it's a marvelous program, and uh, and full disclosure, I will I have to say that I too am a member of Les Dames de Scoffier, and we are and have chaired the mentoring committee on the regular mentoring committee in New York. Um, this is this is a a very special opportunity with, that it's more than just a mentoring; it's kind of an intensive training program, right? Kubi, do you want to tell us what what this? Award, what this award meant for you, but also what you did um, as part of the award, what your opportunity was. Uh, well, when I applied for this award, um, Professor Galat from City Tech, she had asked me, she had invited me to come and have lunch with them at the school. So I went and had lunch, and she said, Oh, why don't you apply for um, the scholarship for women? 
say scholarship. Mm. I, okay, I'll, I'll apply for it. So she was supposed to email me, and she emailed it to me. And I looked at the criteria, what's required, and it was simple. So I applied, and then I get a phone call from Miss Marsha straight to the chef's office, and then the chef comes and gets me. Kobe, you have a phone call. Phone call? I was like, from who? Who would call the chef's office for me? So I go, hi, this is uh, Marsha from Ledam. I said, yes, it's her. She said, you have one. I said, I have one? Oh, I was so excited. I couldn't believe I have one. I was crying, and I started calling Professor Galad, Professor Dias, my husband. I was just calling. Everybody saying I received a scholarship, and I was just so amazed that I have actually won the scholarship and the scholarship actually opened my eyes you know to see the culinary field in a bigger perspective and I was able to go to Vancouver and work with uh, Chef, uh, Chef Margaret Chisholm who took me as her own sister and I've worked with her uh, catering company uh, Culinary Capers Catering mm-hmm. for, uh, for one week and that was just amazing and so it's really one-on-one training. I mean, you're working alongside a, a chef owner of a of a business, right? And you're you're learning everything. She works from the for up. the she works for the keepers, company, right? Yeah. Well, she's been there for a long time, so uh-huh. you could say she's the owner. Yeah. yeah. So it was amazing. I had a great time, and then we also had a chance to do a Julia Child uh, in Paris, a gala, ten course dinner. And it was just amazing because I've never done before, and it was just, I don't know, it was just wonderful. No, that's, that's terrific, and it's, it's just so, it's great to hear that somebody really took great advantage of, of the award that's given. Yes. And, um, and, and Marcia, and I hope, as you say, I hope that this can continue on. There are so many wonderful programs, well, particularly, I know uh, in New York City, but I'm around the world, but the Julia Child Foundation is very generous with their scholarships, as CCAP programs are, are, they just had a gala the other night, they give wonderful awards, and the James Beard Foundation. One has to do a little searching, but as Marcia said, you know, you can go on to the LDEI, that's Les Dames d'Escoffier International, their website, ldei.org, and um, I would imagine with most other organizations, if you you know put out a search, you will find some um, some wonderful programs. It's it's so important that we get students to take advantage of these programs that are out there. But as you said, it was your professor who who first alerted you to it yes, and told you to professor apply. Yes, yeah. She said apply, and I went right away and I applied for it, and I got the scholarship. Yes. All right, so. Tell me, before we go to a break, you have a dream. What is your dream? Oh, my dream would be <laughs> to open my own restaurant, Ethiopian-Italian restaurant one day. Ethiopian-Italian. Well, that yes. you got, that that sounds like a wonderful combination I to know. me. I know. I mean, everybody has Ethiopian restaurant, but I want something different. Uh-huh. could stand out. So I like Italian food and Ethiopian food, and it complements each other. And one day I'll open my own restaurant, and in a long run... I want to give back to my community back home in the village, uh, open an orphanage for those who are not, you know, able to go to school and, you know, have, I want to give it back to my community. That's, that's, that's what fabulous. I basically want that's to fabulous. do. Yeah. Well, when we come back from our short break, I want to ask you about Ethiopian cuisine. So okay. stay tuned. You're listening to Third Degree by Tax Star on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
first ranch grass-fed beef. Pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, free-range, sustainably produced, humane. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, the authentic flavor of the American West. Hi, we're back on A Taste of the Past, and I'm speaking with Kubi Kasai, um, a chef at the Peninsula Hotel in Manhattan, and Marsha Polanchi, who is um, president and owner of her own PR firm called Cornerstone Communications. And she is a volunteer with um, Les Dames d'Escoffier and chair, co-chair of the Legacy Awards, which gave Kubi a wonderful opportunity to learn about food and continue her studies. Uh, Marsha, this sort of this, this legacy award that we've heard about and so much about Kubi um, for Les Dames in New York is culminating in a, a wonderful event. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Certainly. Well, you know, it's, it's always nice when you, you find talented people and, and generous people like Kubi who understands the concept of, of giving back. And <clears throat> we were having breakfast a while back, and I said, you know, Kubi, none of us know anything about Ethiopian cuisine and wouldn't it be wonderful for you to you know do a demonstration and maybe a, a luncheon for for our members and she just jumped at the opportunity and she said well you know I really would like to bring my mother and we could cook together and she's creating a marvelous meal which is going to be duplicating um, the Easter celebration and I'm sure she'll tell us a little bit more about that but she certainly has grasped the concept of, of giving back and, and education which is what Les Dames d'Escoffier is all about terrific could we well now tell me about i'm i'm so curious you call easter celebration fasica yes fasica fasica tell me a little bit about that and tell me what you're going to be cooking for this luncheon okay um well fasica easter is the biggest christian festivals of festival of the year for uh, ethiopians uh this is when uh the whole family get together and enjoy the feast and is 50, 56 days of Lent, meaning no meat, no mm-hmm. dairy. So this is a time when the entire family get together, come from different cities, areas, and enjoy the feast. You have to break the fast. Yes, right. after yeah. 56 days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what type of dishes um, are, are special for this occasion? Uh, well, dorowet is number one. Uh, which is chicken? Oh, and I explain. Well, um, for the listeners, just to explain, because um, I mean, I I know a little bit, but not okay. very much. And that's you say dora wat. So wat being the the stew, the stew. is a okay. thick stew, right? So I mean, I can describe Ethiopian cuisine if you okay. want me yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it consists of spicy uh, meat dishes and vegetable, usually in the form of wet, which is a thick stew, uh, served on top of injera. Injera is made out of teff. Is a little small grain. That teff, only teff is a very ancient grain. Yes. That we, um, I mean, I don't think Ethiopians consider it ancient, but um, the rest of the world considers it a very ancient grain and, and um, a marvelous grain. So this has always been made. The injera has always been made Always with been teff. made with teff, uh, which is uh, a sourdough flatbread. And traditionally, Ethiopia's, Ethiopian food is served in a family style, like a big platter. And each person breaks off a small piece of injera to scoop up the stew and eat. And usually we don't use utensils like fork or spoon. We use our hands Mm -hmm. to enjoy the feast. And so March 21st, I'll be making dorowet, which is uh, chicken cooked in a special uh, 
red pepper sauce. It includes boiled egg. And also there is going to be kutfo, which is an Ethiopian uh, beef tartare. is served either raw or medium rare. Uh, sambusa, which is a fried or baked with a savory filling such as lentil, uh, lamb, or ground beef. Uh, we'll be cooking lentil and uh, beef. Also, yebagalicha, uh, which is a tender lamb stew seasoned with spiced uh, curry, onions, garlic, ginger, and jalapeno. Fosolia, uh, which is uh, seasoned uh, green beans and carrots and potatoes. And uh, the main ingredient of Ethiopian food is the barbari, which is a popular Ethiopian seasoning prepared from red chili pepper, garlic, and other spices. Barbary sun-dried, then mixed with more spices and used in what's. So the Burberry spice mix is is um, special to Ethiopian. It's not, in other words, like it, we can go to Morocco and find a lot of the Berber no, or Burberry spices. This is, this is very... Mm-hmm. Yes. And what are some of the other spices that are are important in Ethiopian uh, cuisine? Nitarkebe, which is uh, another Ethiopian basic. Nitarkebe is a pure... Uh, clarified butter seasoned with several condiments and is used in a traditional satin. Uh We basically put kebe in everything. Like the kutfo uses a lot of kebe because that's the seasoning for the meat. Yebagalicha, uh, uh, sautéed beef, or um, sautéed beef, or uh, lentil, or um, a lot of. Ethiopian food, we use kebe. Mm-hmm. And also we have um, meat mita, which is uh, bird's eye red pepper spiced with cardamom and salt, usually served with kutfo. That's the, that gives it a little spicy flavor. To so it. really big on the on the mixture of the spiciness yes. with the meats and into a, a like almost like a paste, yes. right? a, stew, a, a pasty stew. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Are, how big of a role do vegetables play in, in the cuisine and the diet? Uh, we use a lot of vegetables. Like for the fasica, basically we eat everything that's vegetable, like collard greens, string beans, carrots, potatoes, um, legumes, beans, lentil. Basically mm-hmm. everything is vegetable. But the injera is very important, right? That's the, yes, the base. That's and then, the base yeah. of you know the whole ingredient. If you don't have injera, then there's no point of making what. As someone once mm-hmm. mentioned in some article, that it's. The one cuisine where you eat the platter and the tablecloth and everything because the injera is so large. Yes, it's describe, so big. Can, can you yeah. describe injera for us, please? I mean, like um, the size, you know, just people who don't know. They don't know the size or, or the texture or... Uh, okay, so the foundation of Ethiopian food is injera, the stable and main filler. is a thin pancake-like sourdough leavened bread. It's originally made from the little-known grain of taif that comes from a grass that is exclusively grown in highlands of Ethiopia. Injera has been prepared since at least 100 BC. Yes, right. It's a, it, a very and and not changed much at all, right? No, not yeah. at all. I mean, I know that they have found evidence of of the pans that injera was cooked in from like 400 AD. I mean, just that you know, it's made out of clay, oh, yeah. ceramic clay. Yeah. yeah. So they're usually about uh, about what 15 inches so round or long. It, well, it depends on what kind of. Uh, saute pan you use some people use a 10 inch or 12 inch but back home is probably the big round big uh, one, right? yeah so it's just, just laid on the platter and everything is clumped in little piles and and you eat what you want and dip, i mean dip the bread in yeah and basically after it's cooked basically you make a batter 
like they flour is mixed into a batter, fermented for a few days, and then cooked in the shape of a massive pancake. And, and it has a spongy texture and a slightly sour taste, similar of a sourdough bread. Sourdough, right. Yes. Uh-huh. The flatbread is then rolled into pieces and eaten in various stews and vegetables. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> and, the, and the meal sounds um, very exciting. About what, Are there other ceremonies um, that take place around the Easter dinner? Anything special? That, or uh, is it just a big feast? I mean, there's the, the coffee service. Ah, yes. The coffee service, which is uh, basically after a big meal, you know, everybody sits and make coffee, is made with jebena, which is a black uh, clay, made out of clay. And, I mean, we we don't use milk. We usually just drink the espresso mm-hmm. with sugar, that one. And, like, for our, um, we don't really have dessert because after all this stew, you know, it's a lot. It's heavy meal, so... There, we basically eat popcorn or dabokolo, uh, which is a little piece of bread. It's like resembles pretzels. Or kolo, uh, which is uh, roasted barley or different like nuts in it and things like that. Now, the popcorn was a surprising element yeah. to, the, to the meal for me. I, that was, I thought that was very It's something light, so uh-huh. we don't want to eat too much. So the popcorn is basically... Yeah, interesting. It all sounds very intriguing. I could not repronounce anything that you, <laughs> that you said but it all sounded wonderful yes. <laughs> and and it is very interesting and, and i know there are there are several ethiopian restaurants in the new york uh metropolitan area yes um, where people can sample these foods i don't know um how many ethiopian restaurants there are around the rest of the country um but certainly an ethiopian italian restaurant I Seems know. right. <laughs> well, but Italy was in Italy colonized uh, much of Ethiopia. No, well, they tried. Tried, but, but just they- <laughs> during Mussolini, it had a few. It had a, a little stint there for a while, right? Yeah. So did they? So a lot of the food was brought to the capitals, to the big cities, and yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean, in, in uh, Addis Ababa, there's like they sell pizza, a lot of pizza, mm-hmm. uh, spaghetti, meatballs, and yeah, you can say that. So you, but you fell in love with Italian food post that time, right? So you want to combine the two? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I learned a lot of Italian food here uh-huh. in uh, New York, but I don't know. I, I like lasagna. I like meatballs, and they go together. So why not? The uh, the Ethiopian stews and the and the Italian food go together. You think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. I mean, like after you finish eating the stew, you can he- you can have a little piece of lasagna, or like the meatballs. We don't. You, we don't mix it in a stew. We basically just fry the meatballs. So you can it goes together, I think. Well, I can't wait to find out what emerges from this, this inventive brain of yours. <laughs> and Kubi, s- have you thought of the name of this restaurant? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned, and right? If so, she's not, <laughs> and if so, she's not going to give anything away. Right? <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us thank and sharing you. all your, your wonderful um, ideas and, and background of Ethiopian cuisine. And Marsha, thank you for, for instructing us into uh, about all of the, um, the wonderful work that Les Dames Descoffier does. And Kubi, I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you and so much. And I hope to have you back on once your your own restaurant opens, okay. and we'll talk about thank that you. food. <laughs> and thank, thank you for you. listening. This, again, has been Linda Palaccio with A Taste of the Past. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. So.